watching Stockwatch with me, Julieta Televi, and joining me to take your questions this evening are Nick Kunza from Sunland Private Wealth and Graham Kerner from Kerner Perspective. If you'd like to send questions to us, please SMS 41392, email stockwatch at bdtv.co.za or tweet us at businessdaytv using the hashtag Stockwatch. Uh, Graham, Nick, good to see you both here this evening. Nick, if I may start with you, um, not a great finish for the JSE today. And July is drawing to a close. I mean, it hasn't been um, the best of months. It hasn't been the worst of months either, though, to be perf perfectly honest. And it's quite nice to see the RAND coming back um, to, to the 1680s. Um, do you think that was maybe one of the factors uh, behind some of the weakness that you saw in the market today? Yeah, evening to you both. I th yeah, I think so. I think definitely a little bit of that. I mean, also coming off the back of a really, really good week, I think four and a half, I think 4.5% up for the JSU all share last week, so not too shabby. Uh, and despite the, the shock, uh, in inverted commas, uh, shock interest rate rise that we had as well. So, you know, I expected to get a little bit back today, but I think you're right, Judith. A little bit of RAND strength coming through, uh, knocking those RAND hedges a little bit and maybe a, Maybe a little bit of a pause ahead of um, ahead of what's going to be a monster decision by the Fed on on Wednesday night after our close. So all hours on that and slap bang in the middle of earnings season too. So yeah. lots to digest and yeah, uh, I suppose giving a little bit back after a really good week last week. Graham, do you think that Fed decision, um, I mean, is going to have any real impact on the market? If I mean, as Nick said, you had those monster inflation numbers that came out last week, and then. You know, the market kind of took it in its stride. The market knows that the Fed has to raise interest rates. Um, is it going to brush it off, do you think? Well, I think at the moment the market is sort of bracing itself for 75 now and then probably, you know, 75 and, you know, maybe in total we, we get another, you know, 200, 250. market's a little unsure when they're going to, you know, are they going to front load or uh, are they going to sort of try and smooth it out? I think they're going to front load. And, but the reality is, is all of us know that that's not going to have much of an effect because a lot of this is cost push. And, um, and so, you know, they're going to be hitting the brakes hard to try and curb inflation, but it's not going to have a massive effect, I don't think, on, on, on inflation, at least on the, you know, the, the next six to nine months. So um, that's probably what the market is really trying to get its head around is if they hit the brakes hard now, Great. We all assume that they'll then sort of take a, a breath, and, you know, late in this year. I'm not sure that's going to happen. So I think mm -hmm. that's what's really upsetting the market is inflation's out of control. Bond yields are still not where they used to be, and the Fed fund rate's not where it used to be. You know, yeah. so we've got you know, we're still in uncharted territory. Yeah, and and of course, to some extent, it helps the dollar um, uh, strengthen, and 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 you're starting to see uh, people fretting or um, company executives. Um, uh, American companies, big multinationals, um, it's, it's starting to impact their financials. And I wonder, I mean, is that just something that we have to live with, they have to live with, it's a strong dollar, um, or do, does it, does it uh, dramatically influence our investment decisions if we've been, in the past few years, been buying uh, US companies or big multinational companies, uh, Nick, do we scale back a bit because the strong dollar is going to hurt them? Or do you just have to think, well, you know, these currency uh, fluctuations are part and parcel of being a multinational business and you have to accept them? So I think, you, I mean, uh, obviously, if, you, if you've got a global portfolio or macro portfolio and you're investing, the single most important thing, I think, is the dollar. And I think other than just uh, these, these multinationals that are feeling the pinch, 
uh, I think this dollar is going to be the, I don't think you can underestimate what a big decision it is for investors. It's going to affect everything. It's going to affect your cost. It's, it's the reserve currency of choice in the world. Uh, it, uh, all our commodities in South Africa denominated in dollars. Of course, the, the oil price as well, dollars. And <clears throat> you allude to the fact that I think it was Netflix out on, on Friday. Uh, with news how much uh, their subscribers are going to be hit by you know, overseas subscribers because of obviously with with a stronger dollar. Uh, I think it's a big concern. I really, really do. And I think uh, I think the FT ran a uh, front page story about it today as well, which you might be referring to. Yeah. It's a, it is a concern. Um, and, it is, and it is going to affect them. There's no doubt about it. Despite the fact the S&P 500, uh, a lot of the companies from the S&P 500 uh, earn their money from abroad, uh, I think it's I think it's the single one of the single most important uh, decisions right yeah, now. Is yeah. watch this dollar; it's going to affect everything. I can't I can't be more sanguine about it. It's a big thing. Yeah. Okay. Um, Graham. I mean, so is it just one toxic stew out there? You've got strong dollar. You've got a relentless Fed, or is there rampant inflation? You feel like giving up now? <clears throat> yeah, but I mean, if you look at Janet Yellen saying she doesn't see a massive risk to. Uh, to, of recession. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. I think at least technically we, we probably are going are gonna to experience a few tough quarters. But, um, you know, the American economy is still is still strong. Um, but I think as Nick says, the I think the real problem we've got, Jules, the, your question is, is um, how are American companies experiencing it? But the reality is, and as Nick alluded, you know whether whether a company is listed in in New York or in London or in Frankfurt. The reality is they make their money all over the world. They often manufacture all over the world. So you've got kind of moving moving parts for currency. I think the, the U.S. U.S. listeds are probably going to experience a lot more uh, dollar strength pressure than the rest of them. But it's it's a, a global problem. Mm. I think what we're seeing now is is for me it's like the 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 big PE unraveling. So where U.S. companies were trading on, you know, often 50, 60 percent uh, PE multiple premium to the to the rest of the world. You, you're seeing that unravel, and I think the, the the point that I'm trying to make is that U.S. companies will experience that more. But okay. um, I think yeah. to your point, we, we're in a scenario I think where where U.S. companies are really going to battle. Input costs are coming through, and they're going to battle, I think, in large part to push those those those, um, uh, those onto consumers. So. You know, if you look at the forward on the S&P 500, I think you had 17 and a half and the historic is around the 19 and a bit. Um, so the market still thinks there's, there's earnings momentum. I'm not entirely sure I agree with that. And I think that could be the thing that sort of catches us all off guard later in the year. Yeah. OK. Well, let's discuss some of the, the, the stock pick, oh, the questions that have come through on various uh, shares. And maybe we'll get to Amplat's results at some point a little bit later. Um, there's one question on Bidcorp. And, you know, if we speak about broad companies with, you know, multinational focus, Bidcorp is certainly one of those. Um, and the question is, I'd appreciate the panel's view on Bidcorp at these levels and their prospects moving forward. Um, Nick, I would have thought... Notwithstanding all the difficulties that they have to encounter, they're in the services business and there's a lot of demand for restaurants and, um, okay, possibly not um, office cleaning uh, to the same extent maybe of, you know, three years ago. Mm. Um, but do you think Bitcorp's <clears throat> quite, quite well placed? Um, I do. Um, I'm a little bit cautious on Bitcorp. I think it's, you know, it's sort of had its moment. Um, I, would, I don't know if I'd put it in the, in, in the sort of uh, the sector of a consumer cyclical. It's not really. But yet again, 
you know, they are in a space where rising interest rates probably will affect them. Um, you know, how many times do you want to drop us clean? You got how many times you're going to cut back? Yeah, it's it's not one of those ones that's recession proof, uh, mm. I don't think. And also looking at where the, the, the space they play and certainly United Kingdom as well. You know, that, that sterling is going to get more and more. That I see the governor out with some very stern words, uh, I think, on, over the weekend saying, you know, they can expect inflation getting 12, 13, 14 percent. So I do think um, things like Bitcorp, as much as they, they, they're they not in that sort of high growth space, they're going to get affected too. Mm. So I think it's probably full at these levels is, is the long answer. Yeah. Graham, actually, I mean, if we pull up that chart again, um, so it's it's over a year, it's actually astonishingly volatile. I wouldn't have expected that. Um, so it shows that maybe I haven't been keeping my eyes closely um, uh, focused on Bitcorp over the last year. But for, for a company that's regarded as a blue chip and you, you, you tend to as assume certain characteristics of it, that's a very, very volatile share price performance um, over 12 months. Um, it's, it probably doesn't look that much less volatile going back a little bit further. Uh, what do you make of what's going on there? Well, Juliet, I think it would be quite useful to, to bring up a five-year chart um, because that will give you a, a slightly different picture. And I think Bidcorp invests some of the sort of uh, scenarios. <clears throat> I think I think Bidcorp is an incredibly well-run business, uh, but it's quite narrowly focused, uh, I would say, sort of in the food services space. And we saw what COVID did to them and that might be a, some of the reason for for some of the price volatility um but i think there, there are lots of let's call it um structural shifts taking place in in their in their market you know if you look at um you know the the emergence of of eat from home and you know people not going out for dinners and, as much as they used to and um i think it, it, it's having quite a profound effect but mm. My sense is that it's a really good business, but it's quite narrowly focused. If you look at their, their more recent update, they're talking about challenging conditions, getting their hands on product. Of course, food inflation is going gonna, is gonna to hurt them. So, you know, if I look at that share price over the last few years, I've been sort of, you know, drumming my fingers, waiting for a, a buying opportunity and have waited for quite a long time. If you look now, I think the market's a little bit too optimistic on the on 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 the earnings forecast to December. Oh, sorry, to June twenty three. But for me, you know, we're suddenly getting into the realm because of the underperformance. Let's call it over a period of time, um, where if you can get this thing, which I believe is probably in in hard currency, late single digits, maybe early double digits, and in rand a little bit better than that, probably on balance of argument. You know, you, you can justify a 15 multiple. So we're starting to get into that, that, that phase. But I think global growth, you know, the China story, um, input cost pressures and uh, disposable income under pressure probably doesn't all go well. But I think it's one to, to definitely keep an eye on maybe you and I both uh, a little bit closer than we have, because I think it, it, it is a very good business in spite of the fact that it's quite narrowly focused yeah. and supremely well run. I think that's the other thing. Yeah, but the five-year five chart isn't particularly pretty either. Um, Nick, I wonder what you make of Bidvest, because actually, you know, the, the assumption was that, that Bidcorp was going to be the winner, you know, especially when they split, and it was going to be Bidvest that struggled. And yet, actually, certainly over the last two years, Bidvest was the stock that you wanted to back rather than Bidcorp, interestingly enough. Um, mm -hmm. Would you be a buyer of Bidvest or, you know, it's, it's, it's very South African focused, although it is kind of diversifying. It's, you know, did a big deal in the UK recently. Um, what do you mm -hmm. make of, you know, of, of that part of the, 
the bid group? I think it, it is the same as what I said about Bitcorp. Obviously, a slightly different business, but in a, in a similar space. I think, you know, these type of businesses, as, as sort of solid as they are, and, and, and Graham's right, fantastically run businesses. And, and often in this particular case, you look at companies like this that are not high growth. You want to buy in the management. The management are, are brilliant. But, uh, you know, I, I just struggle to see where you're going to get sort of returns outside of with inflation rising. You know, South can inflation yeah. north of 7%. Look, it's not going to, we hope it's not going to sit there. But are you going to get 7, 8, 9% return in a bid vest? I struggle to see it. You're going to get a little bit of dividend flow. They do pay a dividend. They pay quite a bit out. But uh, I don't think it's going to be a massive outperformer. And that that is my concern. And I think uh, I'll join both of you. I think we need to be patient on both these shares. Uh, keep an eye on them, but they're maybe not quite at the levels yet. I'd much rather pick them up in lower multiples or lower valuations. Yeah. Oh, Graham, very quickly before we go to the break, I mean, is your uh, same assessment for you for Bidvest or do you have a slightly different take? No, I think, I think Bidvest, the, the problem is they, they've just got such a strong presence in so many markets, they really are dominant. It's difficult for them to do sort of bolt-on acquisitions. So I think out of the two, I actually prefer Bidcorp as a business. Um, but I think Bidvest is maybe because of the diversity is maybe a little bit more defensive. But if you can get Bidcorp on the right multiple, I'd rather on a five-year view hold Bidcorp. Um, there's a question on Grindrod shipping. Uh, it's, the view on Grindrod shipping, has, it's had a good pullback. Um, Nick, if I can start with you. Uh, Grindrod shipping actually, um, and what is it, um, Tex Dana were... were Pandemic winners, <laughs> um, but it has uh, so uh, Grindrod's uh, shipping's had a bit of a pullback. Do you think it's worth getting into? Uh, I'd probably refer to uh, your five-year chart at this point because you say a bit of a pullback. This was, I think, this was around about forty rand a share at uh, in in the the depths of COVID, and it's now three hundred. So. <laughs> I think the, the, the viewer, just have a, have a little look on Google Map, uh, Google Charts, whatever you look at. It's, it's had a little pullback, agreed, but um, it's had a huge bounce back from, from the depths of what it was. Uh, in fact, it was close to a 10-bagger at one point. Um, I mean, it's a, it's a great business. I mean, it really is, and, it, and it's a simple, stupid business. You know, it's, uh, they lease out these shipping rates, Unicorn Shipping as well, or Unicorn Freight does all the, um, does all the, the oil tankers as well. They do Cape size, they do... Uh, all different various sizes so overall it's i really like the business but it's very very cyclical and shipping always is and and, and yeah. a good shipping team times it well when they when they order their ships when they lease them out when they buy them at the bottom when they get them built in time it's it's far more complicated on the buying side than you think but um very cyclical so um i like the business has it pulled back enough i'm not sure i mean keep an eye on the baltic dry index has also pulled back quite a bit i don't think Grinnell shipping has come back enough as it should have done given relative to what the baltic dry has done okay. and again is cyclical if we are heading into a global slowdown and 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 i'm also erring a little bit on graham's side when you're talking about a recession i think we're probably already in one globally we don't know it yet um, therefore, something like a greenwood shipping would not where you want to be. So, like the business, but I think the viewer should uh, be greedy, hang around a little bit longer. You might get a lower price. Uh, but at the moment, I don't think it's come back. And I don't think it's reflecting the world slowing down enough. Okay. But as I say, not taken away from the fact that it's a very, very well-run business out of Singapore. Yeah. Uh, uh, Graham, I mean, if you look at that chart, or that's a chart going back to 2018, there, and if you didn't buy Grindrod shipping shares, you would be kicking yourself now because you think, oh, 
obvious, obvious no-brainer, this one. But it's, nothing is an obvious, ever an obvious no-brainer. Um, do you think, uh, would you agree with Nick that it hasn't pulled, if you, if you missed the boat, so to speak, would you wait further <laughs> uh, for a pullback? Uh, or, uh, yeah, sorry. Um, or would you, <laughs> would you let that steamer pass you by? No, I'd let let that cape size slip me by. I think I think what Nick was saying is is absolutely right. Um, if you look at the Baltic Dry, I mean, it was really tight um, late last year. It, it's really corrected quite a lot. Um, I think you know, I'd, in my experience, there aren't awfully many very simple businesses, and I think um, although at, at, at at a superficial level, I think it is a simple business. I can't understand it. And I think my problem is that it is very geared to the global economy. You just look at what the Baltic Dry has done, and I think that share price probably tracks the, the Baltic Dry reasonably closely, although obviously they can lock in rates and so on. But I think on balance of arguments, I, 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 I try to avoid businesses that are, are, are extremely cyclical because I'm not smart enough to pick when those cycles are turning. And yeah, and you trust the management to do that, but truthfully, they have got it wrong in the past, as, as does everybody. So yeah. I think, you know, if that ship has, has sailed, then just leave it. Um, I think there are really good businesses around. I'm talking both local and internationally where, you know, you can buy good businesses with reasonably good vis visibility, uh, attractive multiples who give you gr exposure to growing economies, but maybe less volatile or exposed when, when the economies take uh, a bit of a breather. Yeah. Okay. Um, what about NASPAS and process? And the viewer, and I, I think this... Uh, this is the sort of viewer's perennial um, concern, um, and he said, "Oh, he or she uh, says, is the Nasdaq process buyback not just propping <coughs> up their share price, and will the discounts not just return when they stop the buyback?" Um, I don't know. What do you think, Nick? Could be, could be. I mean, it's a it's a billion odd rand of thereabouts every day. I mean, you see the sends announcements at five plus five almost every single day. So I do think to a certain extent, yes, it is. But I mean, that's exactly what Mr. Van Dyke and his team said they would do. They said the market was not recognizing the value in the unlisted entities. This, uh, it was trading at far too much of a discount for the rump, quote unquote. And they, uh, I don't know, unless, I've, unless you two have seen something different, the buying is open-ended. Don't get in the way. Um, yes, mm. maybe when they stop, it, slow, it starts to drop back a bit. But I think this is the first time that uh, in a number of years that management, I think, are starting to get it right and to try to do something to get that value back. I, you know, I'm, not a, I'm also not an expert on on, uh, on buybacks and when they stop, etc. But at the moment, it certainly seems to be working. And if you're NUSPAS and long-suffering NUSPAS process channel like all of us, uh, it's nice to finally see something, you know, something coming back. And uh, yeah, it's, it's doing the job. So yes, to answer the viewer's question, it, it could it could drop back again. But for now, I think they made determined effort to close that valuation gap. And it's working. It's gone from like 60-odd before they made the announcement, 60-odd percent discount. It's closer to 40 now. So doing the job. Uh, Graham, do you think it is doing the job? I mean, do you think it's a job that uh, will hold for, uh, will uh, have long, uh, longevity? So in other words, the minute the, the, the share repurchases stop, um, do you think it's going to unwind again? Because that would be some hideous Sisyphean task that Bob has hit himself to spend all that money and then see your share price just dwindle back again. Well, let, me, let me answer the question in, in a way that I, I, I can understand it. And that is, um, and it's often something that I, I, I wouldn't say I take the 
the uh, companies that traded deep discounts to NAV uh, uh, to task on. But, it, you know, if, if, if you are sitting on cash and you're looking to deploy that into investments and you are trading at a, a 50% discount to your fair mm-hmm. value, you know, unless you can find something that is, that is going to deliver spectacular returns uh, with visibility, you know, the best thing they can actually do right now is to, to buy back. But I think I would, I would say the, the goal is not simply to, well, I don't think the goal is, is to actually narrow the discount per se, but to take advantage of the, of the anomaly. So another thing that I found interesting was that, that Tencent gave them that dispensation to sell, you know, because they were obviously locked up. And I think the Chinese authorities as well, giving them the, the, the dispensation to sell. So whether, I think the discount will remain for a while, but every share they buy back at that at those deep discounts obviously boosts the NAV of, of of the residue, and I think that's quite important. And I think all we're trying to do here, to take your your shipping analogy again, is we're trying to sail through these very choppy waters. And you know, maybe a year from now, once the political conference in China has happened and the dust settles a little bit. Um, and they no longer have their boot on the throat of the Chinese tech sector, then the world could look quite different. Um, so I think th- they're taking advantage of, of, of a, I think, a, a, an opportunity in the market rather than saying we, we're fundamentally and permanently changing the discount. Yeah. Uh, but I, I think it does. I think anybody who's, who wants to be short this thing must take, take note of this and that when the discount is excessive, they do intervene. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, to carry on the boating analogy, I'm not sure if uh, one feels as if one is um, uh, steering some sort of a rubber dinghy in the wake of a, a capesize dry bulk okay, container stop, stop, shop. Stop. Ship. Okay, I'll stop. I, yeah, I don't know enough uh, uh, shipping um, uh, terminology. Um, and then the last question before we get to your stock picks. Um, what's the best way to invest in bonds for a tax-free savings account? Um, or would you just... Yeah, tax-free savings account. I suppose you, you're limited by your thirty-six thousand rand a year. Um, could mm. you, can you invest in RSA retail government bonds through a tax-free savings account? Not sure you can do that. I think you can because you can buy Satrix has got bonds uh, listed bond instruments. But you know, my my view is always that if you're going to use that exemption, then use it for things that that will give you long-term value creation. You know, so you know, look bonds. I think the 10 years sitting at 10 and a half sounds a hell of a lot more appealing than cash at, say, six or whatever. But I think the reality is you want to put assets in there that are, that are really going to give you the benefit of, of, of that tax shield. Okay. Nick, would you have shared Graham's view? Yeah, spot on. Um, I actually really like the SA bonds. I've actually been buying them for clients at current levels, uh, the SA 10 year. I'm buying it directly, though. But uh, it's more of a, I guess, my, it's more of a time frame for clients three to six months. So don't forget your tax-free savings you're going to hold for five years. So no, yep. I wouldn't be holding okay. bonds for five years. My duration is far shorter. So yeah, I agree with Graham. Okay. All right. Well, getting to your stock picks this evening, um, uh, Nick, sticking with you, what takes your fancy? Hmm. Yeah, it's, sure. I mean, it's, it's one of these ones in the, when you send the email through in the morning, I'm like, I don't want to buy anything right now. Um, but, uh, you know, actually, we've been looking at uh, the hospital and the healthcare uh, sector. And, and in particular, we've, we've liked uh, we've liked Netcare. 
Uh, we noticed with interest the MediClinic uh, deal that's happening with Remgro, and I think they share our thoughts that the, these, these shares are undervalued, so I like the, the, the backing of them. Um, that care currently sitting you know, under 15 Rand. It's been there for as long as we can remember. Uh, we originally bought into it about a year ago as a business uh, at Sunlam, just on the back of the ideas that eventually COVID's going to pass, electric surgeries are coming back, and there was deep value in these shares. And it, as far as I can tell, it, certainly those times have passed, but the share price hasn't responded accordingly. And I think it's a little bit of corporate action and a little, a little bit of play in that sector now. So, you know, we own it, so full disclosure, but uh, I actually do quite like it at these levels around this 15 Rand level. Okay, cool. Um, Graham, how about you? Um, look, I think what Nick is saying is, is right. You know, it's a very, it's a very murky time. You, you sort of feel um, you don't know what's coming. When you come in on a Monday morning, you sort of think, well, what the hell is going to happen this week? You know, so... Um, <laughs> But, but against that backdrop, you know, if you look at companies, look at the South African big banks, all of them, frankly, but I'm, I'm going to pick APSA as, the, as, as the, the pick of the bunch simply because it is ridiculously cheap. So I think some people might think rising interest rates, you know, massive spike in bad debts. But <clears throat> we always say, if, if in doubt, go and look at the three-year moving average of the earnings and you'll see, a, and you plot that over time and you plot a, you know, pick a, an exit multiple and you'll find that these shares tend to sort of drift along uh, like corks on the ocean, so going back to the analogy. But I think oh, the point is that <laughs> we, uh, we think that, you know, the, 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 the divvy yield, so, so forecast for, for December this year is for uh, over 13 bucks of earnings. You're looking at over 20 rands worth. You know, you're buying these things on eight multiples, great dividend yields. They're well capitalized. Um, I don't think this interest rate cycle is going to hurt the banks awfully much. If anything, I've given, I think it'll give them a little bit of margin expansion. So, yeah, I think ABSA, that you can throw Standard Bank into that mix. They're just really cheap. Um, and um, I don't think you're going to go very wrong with yeah. this on a three okay. to five year view. Okay, let's, let's change the analogy. So it's a, a cork out of a champagne bottle that you've popped because you did so well out of the stock market this year. Okay, let's think positive. Um, Graham and Nick, we have to leave it there. Thanks very much for joining us this evening. Nice to chat to you both. Uh, Nick Kunza is from Sunland Private Wealth. Graham Kerner is from Kerner Perspective. And we'll be back tomorrow, same time, same place. Have a good evening.